Welcome to the Federalist Outpost. So I have the pleasure of sitting down today with three candidates for local office here in Florida. Uh, the first is Dr. Lizette Bonanno, who is running for Florida House District 63. Uh, second is Donna Lynn Cameron Cepeda, who is a Republican candidate for Hillsborough County Commission District 5, which is an at-large district, includes the whole county. And we have uh, Maura cruz Lance, who's a Republican. She's running for District 62 of the House, and that's in Tampa, right? District 62 covers from Kennedy, all of uh, West Tampa North, uh, from the river uh, west, and then the boundary in the north is Gun Highway, and it goes all the way into a little bit into West Chase. Okay, so you've got a, a fairly healthy slice of the middle of Tampa, um, and I'm, I'm going to go ahead and start with you. Uh, I'm sorry, Ms. Lons. What is it exactly that brought you in uh, to wanting to run for office, and specifically for Florida House? Well, specifically. The I just want to keep our liberties and our freedoms that we enjoy here in Florida. And it with the climate as volatile as it is, I wanted to make sure that I would be a voice for the people and fight for personal freedoms. All our freedoms were under attack. Now, have you ever run for an uh, office for, before? Yes, I ran in 2020. I ran for county commission. I only campaigned six months. And the reason I ran at that time, I'm a retired business owner. And at that time, what triggered me was when the pastor was arrested. Pastor Rodney Howard Brown was arrested. So that got me, you know, and then I, I really felt that I heard the Lord tell me to run. And I did. And I got about 35,000 votes in a very deep blue district which was uh, District 3 of County Commission, which is Gwen Meyer's seat now. Now, have you seen between the 2020 election and the 2022 election that we're heading into, have you seen a difference in the electorate as far as uh, the things that they're talking about and what their interests are? Um, as far as the people or the the government? The people, the, the topics. I mean, I, I know that, you know, I'm, I'm a resident here in Northeast uh, Tampa, up in New Tampa. And a lot of the conversations that happened in 2020 in my neck of the woods were very Donald Trump centric. It was, are you pro or are you against Donald Trump? And I think that with this midterm election that we have coming up, I've heard a lot of, of discussion about school choice. I've heard a lot of discussion about education and the things that are going on with our kids. Have you noticed the same thing? Yes. And I actually attended a school board, several school board meetings because of the, the sexualizing of our children, the books that are being, um, that are in our Hillsborough County school system right now that are required reading. One of them is promotes pedophilia. Uh, the other one is pornography. It's pictures. They're cartoon pictures, but they're still pictures of naked people of every size and every kind. So parents have become more aware since uh, COVID with the Zoom and the kids, you know, doing the school online. They've realized, wow, what are my kids being taught? Yeah. Well, and Dr. Bonanno, I, I know this is this is the first campaign that you've run in. What is it that brought you into this type of uh, um, candidacy? Well, for me, is first of all, 
Thank you for having me, number one. Number two, it's also, as Mara said, I mean, we could see our personal freedoms uh, under attack right now. And being that I have served in the military and am a retired Army officer, and I joined to fight for this freedom, although I went to Iraq and Afghanistan, I said, and and returning here home and, and seeing what I'm seeing today, it's like, oh, heck no. You know, we're talking about if I don't stand up, I, you know, we're never retired. That's the way I look at it. You know, you never know when you're going to be called and you got to stand back up and get back in the fight. And and that's what I'm doing because I said, this is about my uh, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, whenever they come around, it's it's about their freedoms. And I said, if I want, I want them to understand this is, you know, I'm not going to be a grandma that they can say, well, she baked pies and she, and there's nothing wrong with that because I like your pies. <laughs> but but <laughs> sitting on a rocking chair and just waiting to be, you know, to die. And I said, no, this is going to be one that they're going to say, dang, she fought for my freedom, you know, and she kept doing it until the day she died. So I too, uh, like Maura, and you'll hear from Donna, we're both conservative Republicans here, and we're about being the voice for the people. We're not per se politicians, because, you know, with poli- the, 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 um, the title of being a politician comes other things, and we're going to be those that are you know, selected by the people to be the voice of the people. And it's about the people, you know, about fighting for our freedom. We're seeing freedom under attack, you know, and communism right there. Okay. I don't even say knocking on the door because it's socialism is here. Dr. Bonanno, you have an interesting viewpoint on that. As, As I understand it, you grew up in Germany during the Cold War. Is that right? Correct. I was there in kindergarten. So, you know, I still remember as a small child, um, you know, walking the streets and we lived on the economy, as they say, not on the base at the time and could see the the building still in rubbles, you know, still Germany was trying to build itself back up. And I remember seeing a lot of that, but I think what impacted me more was in junior high school and in in the beginning of high school, it's walking down the streets because we had the Meinhof gang, which was a terrorist group back in the day. And and us walking to school and having to check our ID cards. We had bombings there like you hear elsewhere. And I mean, we we as American dependents, you know, we got to see this and got to experience this. And of course, like I said, I mean, I've been to war myself and coming here to see how this peaceful nation and I say peaceful. I mean, we've had our revolution, things like that. But those are people standing up to be the voice, you know, to fight back any tyranny or any any type of socialist agenda, you know, and. And this is all that we're doing today. It's like people need to rise up. I think Americans have been complacent. A lot of them have, uh, as Maura said, you know, parents are tuning in, seeing, you know, the Zoom, trusting the Zoom and trusting what they're being taught. And in the schools and these children have no idea, you know, what really is going on or our history or even our Constitution. Instead of teaching them all this nonsense of, 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 Black life matters. Every, every, every life matters. Okay. And all this division that you see, I just feel that they should be there. They should be taught the constitution at a very, very young age. 
I don't, I don't see why not. You, you can break it down to a kindergartner. I did it with my own now, children. You also have had that benefit of having served, and as I recall, you served in Afghanistan. Is that right? In Iraq, correct. Now, it, tell me, I, I know you've been involved, but can you tell me exactly what you've been involved with since our withdrawal from Afghanistan about six months ago? Oh, my goodness. Donna and Mauda can tell you there, too. It's uh, like I said, I never retired. So uh, when I saw and heard what the Biden administration was about to do in Afghanistan, I started to alert my Afghan counterparts, you know, and told them I um, I grew up with a father that was a Vietnam vet. So he taught me a whole lot and and always uh, on the guard, all, all, you know, trying to stay ahead of anything that may come against you. So I remember saying to them, you guys need to start getting out of there, start looking for these routes. And I myself back here was looking at the map. OK, you can't go over here because Iran's on this side, Syria's on the side. So let's go up north because we do have an American embassy. There's so a start going. But the Afghans, just like the American people, oh, somebody will help us out. Let's just stay put because the Americans will come and get us and they'll help us out. They're starving right now. They're under communism. They're under the terrorist regime. And, and so and since then, I've been helping them with, uh, along with Jeannie Thrower, because she has an organization here, um, the ARC Plan B. And uh, she does the rescue side of it. And I help her with, you know, trying to get donations for those rescue flights. But I also been, uh, I started a GoFundMe page to feed these Afghans because there's no way I can lay down in my bed, you know, look around my, you know, my environment, knowing that I'm so comfortable and, and at peace and at, you know, have my freedoms. And these people are, their freedoms have been taken away overnight, overnight, just like with the Holocaust. You know, if you look back, you know, every time the government said something to the people, then to the Jews, they would say, well, okay, you know, we'll comply with this one. We'll comply with that one. And by a few of them, they, they didn't, they realized they were, they were kicked out of their house with a suitcase and a yellow star. Is that what we want here in America? Because that's what's going to happen if we don't stand up and unite. We are United States of America. We are American citizens. We've got to rise up together, be like-minded, stand on the Constitution. We are a free nation, and we have a Constitution. Well, and, and, and to talk a little bit about a lot of the mandates that we saw a couple of years ago, um, and Ms. Cepeda, I wanted to talk to you specifically. As I understand, you've got a, a religious background. Is that right? Uh, yes, my husband and I, um, we have a nonprofit organization where we have helped people for many years with life trauma, PTSD. Um, we help feed people and um, many communities and people. Um, I also do have a doctorate of divinity as well, but I have, I have a bachelor's in um, political science and I started my master's in international business, went to work for Raytheon as a financial analyst and then um, after that, I received my doctoral degree, a doctorate of divinity. And so we really, I love people. And right now we've seen so many of the people's freedoms taken away, constitutional rights taken away. And it's not only constitutional rights, but it's our God-given rights that we have to be a free people. And so when we've seen all these things happen, uh, our rights taken away, 
I really sense very strongly that this is what I'm supposed to do is to stand up and be a voice for the people. Now, is so this the first office you've ever run for? Yes, sir, it is. The first, first time running for office. Um, it's been going great. Um, I see a lot of doors opening. You know, um, it's just been amazing. Um, but we need a lot more people, you know, to get on board and stand up and fight against all these things that have been happening. We can't just sit back and do nothing and say anything anymore. No. And when I say fight, I mean, we have to get up and let our voices be heard. You know what right. I mean? No. And because we hear the voices of uh, all the liberals and like you're saying, socialists and communist voices, but we need to hear the voices of the people, which is really the majority of the voices, but the liberals voices seem to have been much louder because we've been sitting back being quiet for too long. And that's why we're in the situation we're in right now when we should have before stood up and been saying things. But right now we see all so many of our rights taken away, even the freedom of speech to even speak out and say things on social media. Now, how has that impacted you uh, trying to run? And I know this is your first candidacy, but it, how much fear have you had of, of the censorship that we've heard a lot about, that we've seen a lot of on YouTube and Facebook, uh, particularly with such a hot button issue as COVID and the lockdowns and the things that went along with that? It, would you say that that's changed how you've approached this versus how you think you may have done so in the past? Yes, absolutely. I believe this is the time for me personally to stand up and do this at this moment because of those things, as you mentioned, um, the county commissioners actually are the ones here in this area that have been making those kind of decisions that they wanted businesses to be closed, small businesses to be closed, but yet you'll see these large corporations that were allowed to stay open and uh, small businesses that were supposed to be temporary closures or actually many of them cannot even open back up at this time because of what happened. It's supposed to be temporary closures, but now some, many of them still closed today because of that, you know, and as well, churches being closed down. I mean, we cannot have this in our nation, in the United States. We cannot have now, this. It, on that subject of the churches, uh, yesterday before the Florida House Judiciary Committee, uh, there was a bill that was presented uh, for argument and presentation. And the name of the bill, I believe it's House Bill 215, and it's entitled Emergency Orders Prohibiting Religious Services or Activities by Pandemics and Public Emergencies Committee. Um, it, this particular bill, as I understand it, is presented to prevent uh, local municipalities all the way up to the governor uh, from closing down churches when other secular activities such as shopping at Best Buy or Walmart uh, or clothing stores and whatnot remain open. Um, now, it, it's a little ironic, but Dr. Bonanno's um, uh, opponent in her race happens to be on the, the Judicial Committee, and she is the ranking Democrat. And I've got uh, a little quote here I'm going to go ahead and play for you. This is from yesterday uh, in the hearing that happened February 1st. Ranking Member Driscoll in debate, you're recognized. Thank you, Madam Chair. Unfortunately, I'll be down on this bill today, Rep, and I can certainly appreciate the intention of you, you bringing it. You know, the beginning of the pandemic was a very scary time where we were all trying to figure out how to handle these emergent situations. And dealing with a public health crisis with a novel virus 
uh, was certainly taxing on our system, taxing on all of us, on our, on our healthcare workers, our front, frontline workers, our first responders, government officials, even us sitting here, it was, it was really difficult. We were all trying to figure out what to do, and everybody was doing the, the best that they can. But as we learned more about how coronavirus spreads and what happens, what can happen when you are in close proximity with other, other individuals for extended periods of time, we recognized that there had to be certain, you know, certain um, steps taken to stop the spread. You know, I, I'm hearing a lot about um, the freedom to worship, and I, I certainly believe in that, and that's correct. The First Amendment provides for that. But we also can recognize that it's a false equivalency uh, to say that freedom to worship is the same thing as not being, or, or, or having the lack of freedom to worship is the same thing as not being able to worship at any place and time that you choose. For example, we wouldn't allow a large congregation to meet in the middle of the highway and block traffic. We wouldn't allow that, right? We probably wouldn't allow uh, a worship service to take place in a residential neighborhood at 2 a.m. in the morning. We wouldn't allow that, right? It's okay to have uh, reasonable restrictions as those are required. And if the, the pandemic taught us anything, it's that you never know what's coming around the corner. So it makes me uncomfortable to tie the hands of uh, future governments as we need to um, see what else is coming down the pike, even with COVID-19 and who knows what else is around the corner. So the bill is, is well intended. Please hear me when I say that. And, and faith is important to me and I'm sure it's important to so many of us here. But there's been a lot said that it's false equivalency today. And I think we need to point those things out and I'll be down on the bill. So... Oh, my goodness. There's a whole lot of things you wouldn't do, such as, I mean, in the middle of the highway. I mean, she said, have a church, have a service in the middle of the highway. I mean, that analogy, it just doesn't well, even it, make and sense. It doesn't. And, no, and absolutely not. Under any circumstances, go against our constitutional rights in any way. I just I know. It, unbelievable that she would say something. I such agree. And thing. Dr. Bonanno, you know, obviously this is this is your opponent in the election. So I'm going to let you address this. Uh, yeah, but I, I agree. I'm glad Dana, Donna said it because I was taking notes here. First of all, what got me was she said the bill was important to her. She said me, not to the people, but to her. All right. So that stuck out because we're here for the people, not for ourselves. This campaign is not about any of us. Mata thinks like I do and Donna. It's about the voice of the people. What do the people want? What do the people think? As long as we're all lined up with the uh, principles in the Constitution that we have here. So her her thing about false equivalency, it's like all oh, that sounds all nice and, and tight there, but makes no sense. OK, the they want to shut down. I mean, fear is part of socialism. Control is part of socialism. All right. And that's what they're trying to do. She says, oh, we don't know what's coming around the corner. Yes, you do. If you have we, we've been a nation under order. We have a constitution. All right. And it's not that that difficult to to see that something. I mean, we have the flu. We have the Spanish flu. We have the cold, you know, cold viruses and things like that. They, I mean, were we all put in a bubble like we are trying to do right now? Because this is, again, all about 
the socialism, the putting fear into people, locking people down, dividing the, the nation here. And, and, and this is just ridiculous. So her, for her to say that, she needs to do more homework and needs to know more about the Constitution, needs to be more about the people and not herself. All right, because this it, what that analogy just as Donna has stated makes no sense. All right, why would a congregation a pastor put the 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 lives of his congregation all right in danger in 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 a traffic jam? Okay, or wherever she she said block the traffic. They're not that stupid. Pastors are not idiots. Okay, and and. And she says, you know, taking them into the residential area or, you know, making noise at 2 a.m. It's not happen and it's not going to happen. And I'm sure that the Holy Ghost when he's and, uh, you know, I also have Bible background. Uh, so, you know, there have been there are churches of residential areas and I'm sure some of them will go till midnight, whatever. You don't hear people complaining. They actually join in. It's a good thing. It's a good thing what the pastors and the churches are doing for the people, more so than what this administration is doing, which is locking down, dividing station as they continue to uh, do and Ms. so. Lance, I know this is, I mean, this speaks to the reason that you ran for county commission a couple of years yes. ago. Uh, you know, what? what's your opinion on a bill like this? Do you think it's, uh, you know, part of what the state or the executive branch of the state of Florida should be doing as far as dictating which businesses should be open or closed? Not at all, because the first the first amendment to the Constitution says Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press. And this is exactly what we're fighting in. The, the people need to stand up. They have been wrong. Fauci has been wrong. All this, this the pandemic stuff has been wrong. Okay, if we would have allowed it to, to go and, and not lock everything down, more people would have had natural immunity. I have natural immunity. I've had COVID twice and I'm a senior citizen. So we need to, uh, you know, uh, stick to the constitution and make our government, you know, say, hey, you know, this is the constitution, we need to abide by it. And we can't allow this anymore. I am also a Bible graduate. Well, and so Andrew, Andrew, to add to what they're seeing here, you know, it's going to be a sad day, uh, sad day in this nation when this administration or any other like this, and hopefully we won't have another like this, will lock down churches. Okay, because churches are like one stop shop for healing, for feeding people. Because I know for a fact, if you guys go to, and I can speak for the River Church, uh, they, you know, they bless people in to come to, to services. They they feed them every Sunday and every, every week of the day. Any need that they have, they know they can go there and receive, you know, help for that need. Or like I said, if they want, uh, they want healing, prayer for healing, it does work. Doggone it. If it worked back in the day when Jesus was walking this earth, it still works today. People are being so ignorant about it. It's like you don't need all this mess out here. And and, and we're, none of us are against people wearing masks. It's about free choice. You want to wear it, wear it. But don't get in my face because I'm not wearing one. Don't get in my face because I don't want to get vaccinated. Everybody needs to leave everybody alone. As Governor DeSantis says, and I back him 100% and more, you know, with everything that he's doing right now for the people, is that 
you know, it's about free choice. Leave the people alone. Leave them to make their choices. Stop overreaching. Stop trying to control and get out of the way of the states. We have a governor. We have a sheriff. All right. That's what they're there for, for the people. The government, you need to study your, you know, a lot of these guys that are in office up there in the Biden administration, bet you your money, they don't even know their constitution. I know they don't know what what their jobs really entails because they're probably just there because of status, because, uh, you know, just of their name or whatever. They probably don't even know. And they're just following the rest of the crew. And we know the elites are, are, are also, and these are names that you don't hear that are behind the scenes paying these folks to do uh, their will. And well, and you, I think just, you've seen a lot of the impact. It, it's, it's an environment, certainly over the last couple of years, where you see the, the longer term impacts of things like George Soros's financing of certain district attorney races. Uh, you've seen some of the major cities that have had some huge crime problems as a result of those policies and, and Mr. Soros's funding of uh, candidates who support those policies. One of the things that I think is important to point out is, you know, it, a lot of people who aren't in Florida, people who haven't been to Florida or people who've only been to, you know, Disney World in Orlando, uh, only hear those stories on the news about Florida man. You know, some idiot somewhere in Miami or uh, Pinellas County or that has done something horrible or done something so profoundly stupid that it makes national news. And so I I know a lot of the people that I talk to and deal with professionally and personally outside of the state for a long time have looked at Florida as though we couldn't get our act together. But I think the last two years has demonstrated a a leadership at the political level, uh, certainly from the governor, uh, from the legislature, uh, and in some cases from local government, although I I would say Hillsborough County, uh, Orlando, Miami, some of those areas have have certainly had some significant problems. But I think that Florida should have been proud for the way that it's handled the pandemic over the last two years. The the reasonable approaches, the careful approaches, uh, obviously Governor DeSantis being out in front of a lot of the COVID curves trying to get uh, treatments into the state, even where the FDA or the CDC was causing trouble. but you know, we we talk a lot about government overreach into religion, uh, and we've talked a little bit about the censorship that that has happened online, both self censorship and then big tech censorship. The other issue that I think is still being felt but not being talked about much is the business end. Uh, a lot of businesses suffered greatly as a result of COVID. Some changed fundamentally and, and and may never go back. I know the practice of law is one of those where most of what we do is is now over the internet as opposed to being a person. But Ms. Lance, I know it, according to your profile, there was a, a stretch of time where you were in construction. Um, 35 years. Yeah. And and so as a former small business owner and operator, you know, did you did you have any problems with the government coming in and telling people that they're non-essential or, or dictating uh, yes. whether or not you're allowed to make a living? Yes, of course. In fact, the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of Florida prohibits any government entity from closing a business without compensating them. Did that happen? No, it didn't. So this is why this is the why why I'm running is because small businesses had no voice and we are having even our government is overreaching. There's the 10th Amendment, and thank God for Governor DeSantis, because he is uh, he is using the 10th Amendment against the Biden administration. The Biden administration right now is lawless. 
The Supreme Court already ruled that the stay in Mexico policy is to stand and they're not doing that. They're shipping people all over the country. So we have a lawless government and our border patrols, they swore to abide by the constitution. And the constitution says that there, there are laws against illegal immigration, but they're not abiding by the constitution because of the leaders of this country. And a lot of the a lot of the enforcement, I think, that we've seen on a federal level uh, has been politicized uh, significantly since I believe President Obama was in office, where he obviously understood how to wield the weapons and the tools of the executive branch quite well. Uh, you know, he he picked and chose which laws he was going to be able to enforce, which ones he was not. Um, but one of the other hangovers from COVID is mental health. There's been a, a huge problem with mental health. I think that closures of churches probably only exacerbated that for a lot of people because uh, they didn't have their communities to go to and things of that nature. We've had an increase in suicides, especially with young teenagers during this pandemic. I did uh, train and worked the crisis counseling line uh, through a church and I did work through uh, small groups for people with life controlling problems. And it's it's been, the kids have been so affected and they've been so depressed. They need that interaction to grow. Our, our school system has stopped teaching the constitution. They've stopped teaching civics. They're not teaching people the, their, the law and the constitution so people know their rights. And that's what we need to know is, is educate people so they know their rights so they can push back against the government. Yeah, I'm sure the numbers have increased with the mental health because of all this. And you heard my opponent use the word fear. It's like, take the word out. We're resilient. We're Americans. All right. So that word needs to be thrown out and we need to get back being the Americans that we were uh, taught to be uh, when we were much younger. All right. We, we were always, and you hear the song, proud to be an American. Okay. And it's land that's free. And that needs to come back. It's to stop using this word fear because it's all coming from, uh, again, from this administration wants to control the people. And you go, I want to go back to the business side of it. I remember um, when the pandemic pandemic started last year. And uh, I saw foreigners who came here legally, you know, trying to open businesses so they can um, sustain their families. And there was one guy, he had just opened one day and had a shutdown. So I tell all of them right now, you know, open back up, stop fearing, you know, and, and do, you know, this is the American dream. You're allowed to open a business. You're allowed to work your business. You're not doing anything illegal. And this, this um, coronavirus is, you know, it's no different than the flu and the cold. You can, really can't tell which one is which. And as uh, Maud has mentioned earlier, you know, with, with Fauci's lies and everything, I'm, you know, you, you sit here and you look at Fauci, you look at Pelosi, you look at, you know, uh, uh, Clinton, the Clintons, you know, and they still were able to retire to move on with life, with all their lies, with all their criminal activities. And, and I sit here and watch these hardworking people and people become American citizens, you know, trying to live the American dream. And it's and, and they're trying to take it away from them. This has got to stop. 
has got to stop. Uh, I know we, we touched on education a minute ago. Uh, and Dr. Bonanno, that's that's one of the issues I think that, that you've got listed near the top of what you would do if you were elected. You know, it, is there, in your opinion, a way to, to reform some of the public schools? I know you're you're big on, on school choice, but I, I myself, it, it's difficult to run the logistics of a household when uh, the school that you're taking your children to is 20 or 30 minutes away. Obviously, I, I grew up in public school. I grew up in public school here, here in Hillsborough County. I would prefer that my local school be my school of choice. I'd, I'd really like for an improvement with that. Is there anything that you see that can be done from the House of Representatives or from uh, the legislature to, to help kind of cure what ails our public school system? First of all, I, I think Mauda, being that she's got children in, in the public school or grandchildren in the public school system, I don't. My grandkids are homeschooled, so um, it's a choice. I'm, I'm happy to know that my children have. But, you know, you being raised, and you're much younger than me, but even when I was raised, okay, uh, the public school system was a lot different. You know, God was in the picture they were allowed to pray. They were allowed to say the Pledge of Allegiance. And as you can see, all the things were being taken away. And once you take God out of the picture, don't expect victory. Don't expect success. Expect destruction. Expect division. Expect communism. Expect all of that. All right? Because that's what happens. And um, But I feel that parents need to wake up because their rights as parents have been are being taken away. We have some great people running for school board uh, positions, and they are conservatives, and they're right in the front lines fighting right now uh, to wake up these parents and let them know, hey, your 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 parental rights are being taken away. And like I explained to you, I think yesterday, I I watch now as I go through school zones or in the morning, and I see. The lines, cars, you know, lined up, parents dropping off their kids, what they did before, but more so now where, you know, you parent are not allowed to walk your kid into the building because you've got cooties. All right. You got germs. So they drop them off. They shut the door. Who knows how many locks are behind that door? You as a parent can no longer just walk in there like you used to, to eat lunch with your kid or whatever. And, and, um, and as you can see, I think it was a news, I don't know when, if it was it was last year, where then school officials were giving injections of, um, to, to the children without parents' permission. How the heck in America are we going to allow that? Okay, how the heck? Parental rights are being taken away and parents need to stand up united. I know a lot of them come from single parent homes. I was a single parent. I raised my kids in, in a single parent home while in the military. I, it's just about balancing everything and still keeping your eye on everything. My kids weren't totally free of anything because I coached their sports and everything. I was so involved because I had to know what was going on around them. Parents need to be like that today, but they don't. They think of the school as a babysitter. They're trusting these uh, uh, these teachers, these administrators, you know, to take care of their kids. But actually, there's a hidden agenda that's been around for a very long time. And it all comes from 
Europe, you know, after after the war, you know, many of those communist leaders went to France, they got kicked out of France, from France, they came over here, and looking for funding from Carnegie, from uh, the Rockefellers, you know, all those elites, you know, to, to bring their agenda here, and they were going to, their, their priority was to go into the schools, it was easier to get into your children's minds. All right. And parents need to wake and Ms. up. Lance, you know, it, it's sort of the same question to you. Is there anything that you think that the Florida legislature could do to encourage parent involvement or at least remove the barriers uh, between? Them? Yes. I yes. Uh, for one thing is remove the sexualizing of our children. Those books that are in every that's in the state of Florida. There's 24 sexually explicit books that are required reading in Florida right now and in Hillsborough County. So that needs to be removed. Those books need to be removed from our, our students. I mean, why would you want a child to read something that promotes pedophilia? Why would you want to sexualize children? That needs to be left to the parents. One thing, when I was in school, you had like the basic stuff that they teach you, but not, not sexualizing and this whole transgender and all this. And then you have the CRT. One of the things that the, the I honestly believe that the, the Department of Education or the teachers, te teachers Union is a big problem. That's been infiltrated by, by a lot of communists. Like I said, I'm from Cuba, my family's from Cuba. And I saw everything that happened in Cuba, because I was five years old when Castro came in. So uh, we saw how literally uh, in Cuba, yeah, education was free, but it was indoctrination, not education. And that's what we're having happen here. They're indoctrinating the children. My two grandsons and I went to Central Park and there was so, several statues in Central Park and one of them was barricaded. And my grandchildren asked me, who is that? Why is that barricaded and not the other ones? I said, oh, that's Christopher Columbus. And they told me, oh, he's a bad man. He killed all the Indians. And I'm like, where did you get that? It was public school that told him that. Even though they say there's no uh, official CRT, they're, they're teaching it in the curriculums. They're putting it in math classes and the teachers are being trained to, to incorporate CRT in their lessons. And that has to stop. So Dr. Cepeda, um, I'm gonna go back to a question I asked a little earlier when we had some connection problems. Um, one of the, the hangovers I think of COVID has been uh, mental health. And I, I think you said you'd been involved in some PTSD counseling and, and things of that nature. Have you seen an, an increase in problems with mental health over the last two years? Well, yes, it's a lot of lot more people seem to be in fear. You know, uh, it's incredible how many people have gone into fear over these things that they've been portraying over the, the, the media. You know, they put so much fear into people that they're willing to lose their freedoms when they tell them it's uh, going to be a temporary and we cannot lose anything, not one little bit, not for one moment, because they'll continue to take more and more and more of our freedoms if we let them. But yes, the fear is a, a big issue, big issue, you know, and that's another reason why we need to keep churches open and, and to, to allow the people to come in and get counseling and get help with those mental issues and all like you're talking about. 
Well, and I, I think, you know, with a lot of that counseling, a lot of the, uh, the benefits that church congregations will offer to their communities, I think the absence of that during the pandemic obviously made it a lot worse. But I, I think that that dovetails with the education problems that we're talking about lately, which is this sort of removal of parental input from religious community input from uh, moral based community input and, and changed into sort of the secular approach. And I think you heard it up in Virginia, you've heard it in a couple of different places, uh, California on the list, where the state believes that the children are, are actually the property of the state, that their education is, is the property of the state, and that the parents are there largely to pay taxes and to pick the kids up and bring the kids back to school. Um, you know, it, one of the things that my personal experience uh, over the past two years has shown me is that if you're not well involved in what your kids are worried about. And, and certainly a lot of them have been more worried about the pandemic. There's a lot of uncertainty, things changed. Uh, and then on the back end, when schools opened back up in August, a couple of years ago, there was a lot of uncertainty about, well, how can I make new friends? My old friends moved away, things of that nature. You know, we looked at this and, and we ran into the same problems with some of the CRT information. My oldest daughter uh, learned the same thing about Columbus, uh, as as a villain, so to speak, and it's an issue that we took up yeah. with a civics teacher and uh, my youngest daughter, who's in fourth grade this year. It, she is already very concerned about gender identity and, and sexual identity, and a lot of questions that most people don't answer for themselves until they're well into their twenties. And and here she is; she doesn't have the tools. She's not prepared, and the curriculum that is put in front of a lot of these kids isn't adequate to answer the questions. It simply tells them this is this is the line item that you need to pay attention to and you should identify yourself based upon these characteristics. And these kids are left without guidance. And so when you don't have that religious or that moral community, that that you know close-knit family community, I think you lose a lot of that. So it Having said that, I want to give each of you an opportunity to, to give me your pitch. Tell me why it is that, that you should be elected to your seat. And Dr. Bonanno, I'm going to start with you. Obviously, you're you're running against an opponent who is essentially establishment for the Democratic Party at this point. Uh, she represents an area that, that prior to her election uh, had Republican representation. So there, there's an opportunity here, I think, for you. Why is it that your voters should change and vote for you? One, because I'm not a politician. Two, because I am about the voice of the people. If I'm if I'm sitting here being the voice of the people in Afghanistan that are isolated under, you know, a terrorist regime, why wouldn't I do it for the Americans here? I mean, I fought for our freedom, right? I went overseas and fought for our freedom. And, and I will continue to do so here. I continue to do it every single day. I, I want to be that voice. I wanted, uh, I, I want them to know that they can fully trust me. Um, I'm not going to be that politician uh, that puts in a, because um, that's what they consider you once you're in office, is to put, uh, to put forward a bill just because I'm in office. No, I'm going to have a good reason. And the reason is because the people want it want me to go forward with it. So again, is to continue to fight any socialist ideology, any socialist agenda. I will be that fighter in there in the fight uh, because again, this is freedom versus communism right now. And we've got to, we got to get people in office that are willing to, to fight. Ms. Lance, same question. 
Yes, I'm, I'm running also for to protect our personal freedoms, which are First Amendment, Second Amendment. I'm a concealed carry um, and I support the Second Amendment, especially uh, being a Cuban. Uh, when Castro took all the guns away <laughs> and people couldn't fight back. So I'm definitely uh, for all our constitutional freedoms. I want to abide by the constitution. I want to be a voice for the people. I've always been a giver and helping others. And that's what I want to continue in government because I'm not a politician. Like I said, I'm a business owner. I want to bring something to, to the, the house legislature that is missing, which is common sense. People don't have common sense anymore. And uh, I'm also advocating for smaller, for lower taxes and for small businesses because they were so hurt. And like you said, many of them are not gonna be coming back uh, because they couldn't afford it. They couldn't afford the shutdowns. And our government shouldn't be doing this, but we need to fight against it. Like I said, until we fight back, every freedom we surrender to the federal government is a freedom we will not get back. And the federal government does not have the right to tell Florida what to do. Florida has a right. And that's why I want to be, maintain a strong Florida legislature, strong government for, for our future, for our uh, my grandchildren and my children. So they have the same freedoms and protections that, that I had. And I also advocate for, for our law enforcement who have been so hurt and injured by all these riots and things and our first responders, they need our support Correct. also. Oh yeah. Well, we could do a whole show on law enforcement, particularly yes. lately. But, and, and those guys and girls do far more than I think any of us really appreciate. Uh, but, you know, they're always out there and their lives are always on the line. Uh, Ms. Cepeda, you uh, running for county commission, uh, county commission in Hillsborough right now, I believe, is entirely under Democratic control. Um, and so, you know, obviously it's a little bit of an uphill battle for all of the conservatives that are running, but that's not stopping you and that's not stopping some of our other candidates. You know, it, tell me about your position on why it is that the voters uh, should change from their Democratic preferences in the past to Republican now? Well, as they can see from everything going on, um, their rights have been taken away. Uh, I think many of them that thought they were liberals before, many people are coming to this side, to the right, because of losing freedoms, uh, businesses, so many things, so many areas in their lives, even really their religious freedom, you know, we, because we personally know people like that, that were, that were Democrats before uh, and, and very liberal, but now they're starting to realize, you know what, they're not really liberal as they thought they were because they don't want all these things that they've seen happen. And they, they are turning uh, to the right and um, becoming more conservative uh, with, with uh, religious views and other, other views as well. I mean, people we know personally that were uh, Democrats that have changed over to become Republicans. People before so concerned about the crime and everything who, who told us even recently, and different times we've heard this, people that thought they would never own a gun right now are going out and buying guns because they're so concerned with everything going on in our nation right now. And they see that it's the, the liberal, the liberals that have been in office, they can see it now more than ever what they really stand for. And they're really waking up and, 
and we need strong conservatives. And that's why I'm running because I will protect their rights, their constitutional rights. We don't do not need to mess with the constitution at all. And we keep our freedoms. And um, I'll tell you that, you know, obviously I lived through this the same as you guys did with COVID. I was surprised about how much power local municipal government had. Uh, You know, we had uh, obviously they've got some control and power under hurricanes and the way that we've set up our emergency structure. uh, There's a lot of delegation that's gone on there. And I I felt like, you know, Governor DeSantis would do one thing and then our local municipal government would go out of its way to do the exact opposite. So. I, I wish you luck in your, your run for commission. I wish all of you luck in each of your individual races. I really want to thank you for being on the show today. Um, and, you know, obviously we're going to follow up with you. And, and as the race progresses, keep up and see how you're doing. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for thank having you us. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you.